Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. My name is Daniel Vincent, here with my co-host, Sean Cheatham. You can find us and other podcasts at reformpodcasts.com. Also, check out our blog at theparticularbaptist.net. And if you would like to support our ministry and the work that we do, um, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash theparticularbaptist. We have a few options there that you can use uh, if you'd like to support us. I'm diving into our topic today. Today's going to be more of a devotional uh, topic, so we probably won't uh, ramble on as long today, um, but it will be more of a devotional uh, exegetical discussion today, um, talking about uh, what it means to deny yourself as a Christian. Um, we see this theme occurring multiple times in uh, throughout the scriptures, really, in the New Testament in particular, and then in the Gospels specifically, of Jesus talking about what it means to be um, a Christian. And the passage that I want to focus on today is from Matthew 16, 24 through 26. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So Jesus is talking about the real cost of what it means to follow him, that it's not going to be a life of fulfilling my own desires. It's going to be a life of denying ourselves and following um, our king. Now, uh, when I was putting this together and, and pondering these things this week, uh, it was definitely very convicting, um, you know, because these are, uh, you know, we all have, I think, things that we struggle with. And it was a good reminder for me to to constantly be putting our, our sinful desires aside, whatever we might be struggling with, and, and continuously uh, focusing on our Lord and, and putting to death sin in us. So it's it was definitely, um, you know, as as you're preparing for these things, sometimes it's uh, it sheds light on your own life. And you're like, wow, I need to work better in certain areas or whatnot. Um, but that's what the scriptures tend to do. They, they convict, they help to sanctify us and help us uh, be more like our Lord. Um, but when we're talking about self-denial, um, we're talking about putting aside our worldly desires and following our Lord. And this is really the essence of repentance, right? When we're talking about turning away from our sins and when we come to our Lord, initially when we're saved, we're turning away from sin. Um, obviously, that that's not a reference to sinless perfection. Um, we don't want to imply that at all. But there is a turning away from an embracing of a sinful lifestyle and a turning to Christ and embracing the cross. Um, and then we continue to struggle with sin. We continue to put to death sin in our lives. Um, but that's it, it's really a mind shift. We're shifting from living outside of how God has said we are to live and then returning and embracing the gospel and the life that comes with that. Um, we see this in Matthew 4, 17. Um, you know, Jesus is starting his earthly ministry. And this is right after John the Baptist has kind of laid the foundation of what Christ is going to do. And so he immediately, Jesus calls for repentance. He calls for a lifestyle change in his hearers. That's the first thing that he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or repent and believe the gospel. So there is this mindset that there has to be a change of life. Even that's foundational to Jesus's message. It's not something that's secondary. It's not something that's just put off the side. It goes hand in hand with believing in him and embracing uh, the gospel. 
So it, it's very important that these things are, are put front and center for us. Um, and the Christian life is going to be one of discipline, right? It's not going to be one of where we can just sit back and, and do whatever we want. We don't have to really uh, refine ourselves and make ourselves in conformance with what uh, the scriptures say. First uh, Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul is talking about disciplining himself. He's, as one who's obtaining a prize, like a runner, he's disciplining himself as a believer and so that he doesn't live hypocritically as well. Uh, you know, he's, he's saying that if he doesn't do this, he's disqualified because he's not living in accordance with what he's preaching. So there has there is a, a, a hypocrisy factor here that we have to keep in mind if we're saying we're Christians, but we our lifestyle completely shows a different uh, way of living uh, Then that can. Uh, that's certainly problematic. But we're to discipline ourselves and, and continuously push forward uh, to that prize. Anything you want to add, Sean? Um, not at the moment. Okay. Um, and again, we see this, we see this principle laid out in different parts of the scripture, especially in the gospels. I want to read Luke 14, 25 through 33. This is probably one of Jesus kind of expounds upon this principle even more. Um, and I think in a very uh, detailed way. So uh, we'll go ahead and dive into that. Luke 14, 25 through 33. Says now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is able to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is giving... Uh, kind of an ultimate, uh, you know, kind of an ultimatum here, right? He's he's saying, look, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require everything. It's going to require your whole life. It's not going to be something that you're going to be able to just skate by in. You know, you, you claim to be a Christian, but you can do whatever you want. No, it's, it's there's real sacrifice here. And he gives two examples. Christ does. He, so he gives an example of a builder building a tower and then a king. Okay, um, before we get into that, we'll look at John Gill here. He says, Yea, these are to be neglected and forsaken and turned from with indignation and resentment when they stand in the way of the honor and interests of Christ and dissuade from his service. Such who would be accounted the disciples of Christ should be ready to part with their dearest relations and friends with the greatest enjoyment of life and with life itself when Christ calls for it. So the point is that, uh, you know, our closest relations and jesus gives he kind of lists who our closest relations are 
uh, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, etc. We're to hate them. And, and what Jesus is saying is it's not that we just, you know, cut people off necessarily, um, but we are to love Christ so much that all their loves seem like hate, right? We're not to put any other relationship in front of our love for Christ. Our love for Christ should be first and foremost, no matter what the cost, including our relationships with our closest relatives and those who are closest to us. Um, and then, you know, Jesus talks about in verse 27 that there's cross-bearing that must take place. And this is, you know, this could be taking up suffering for the name of Christ. This could be just denying ourselves. It, the way of the cross is a way of suffering, um, and it's going to be a difficult life. Um, but that means putting aside our own desires that might get in the way of that. Um, you know, we, especially surrounding persecution, John 15, 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So if, if Christ's life was difficult, then ours is definitely going to be difficult uh, to some extent. Not, maybe not in the exact same way, but we're going to have to, in some way, suffer in order to see the kingdom of God. Um, and that it can include our self-denial um, when it means that uh, it, it's difficult for us to put to death those things. Um, but the example that Jesus gives of building a tower, you know, he uses that example here uh, that we have to count the cost. You know, when a builder builds a tower, he has to factor in, you know, budgeting. How much is it going to cost me? What materials do I need? And if he gets to the point where he's going to build it and he doesn't have all those materials that he needs, what does that tell uh, everyone around him? He's going to be mocked, right? Oh, yeah, you didn't finish what you started. You said you were going to do this, but you didn't. Look at you. You're a fool. Um, and so uh, Jesus is using that as an example here uh, in terms of counting the cost. John Gill, again, as every wise man would who has any thoughts of building a tower or any other edifice and so such that uh, have an intention to take up a profession of religion should sit down and well consider of it, which does not imply that persons should delay making a profession on wh whom it is incumbent, but that this should be done with thoughtfulness, care, and prudence. We shouldn't rush into... Uh, following Christ, right, into quick professions of faith. Um, there, there should be thoughtfulness in doing this. It should be well considered what you're getting into. Um, and again, that doesn't mean, like John Gill said, that we delay or that we reject the gospel. If, well, that's the cost too high. I'm just not going to do it. The point is to take it seriously. It's not to be done flippantly. And then Jesus talking about the king making war. You know, a king needs to go and have the men necessary and the forces necessary to defeat his enemy. If he doesn't, then he's going to be really a failure as a king, and he's going to have to go and sue for peace, um, which would be, uh, which would make that king look foolish because he didn't count the costs in order to get the job done. So Jesus uses these two two analogies to point out um, the cost of what it means to follow uh, Jesus Christ, um, and what Christ is really saying here, verse thirty three, kind of sums it up. Right. If you do not uh, forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Um, and Jesus isn't, isn't giving a condition for salvation here. What he's doing is he's saying that if you don't do these things, you're proving that you're not my disciple. You can't be. It's there's no way you can be my disciple if you haven't forsaken everything. Um, and again, that doesn't mean we don't. You know, we live like hermits somewhere and we deny worldly possessions necessarily. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's a giving of yourself completely to Christ, 
so that we live in a way that's pleasing to him. And we are sanctified as the, the old man is being uh, refined out of us, so to speak. We're being more, made more and more like Jesus Christ, and we uh, forsake those things uh, more and more. But it's an overall mindset of giving ourselves completely to Christ, and, and we submit to his rule. Not perfectly, but there will be this overall mindset of, of giving ourselves um, to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be um, a Christian. Uh, Calvin says this, the self-denial is very extensive and implies that we ought to give up our natural inclinations and part with all the affections of the flesh and thus give our consent to be reduced to nothing provided that God lives and reigns in us. And then John MacArthur says his disciples were permitted to retain no privileges and make no demands. They were to safeguard no cherished sins, treasure no earthly possessions and cling to no secret self-indulgences. Their commitment to Jesus must be without reservation. All right. Well, that's um, kind of a summary of, of self-denial. Sean, you want to add anything? Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a, a comment about something you said, and then yeah. I'll, I'll move on to two verses I wanted to bring up. Yep. Um, with the, uh, the, um, the parable of the king, um, or the, the parable of uh, the person building a tower, right? Um, I want to view it from the, the lens of eternity, right? Um, Obviously, even in this life, if you have someone that professes to be a Christian and then later falls away, you know, mm -hmm. because they they want to indulge some sin or whatever. We, we see oftentimes in um, in American Christianity that you'll have some sort of big name and then all of a sudden they're they're out there promoting homosexuality or they're out there saying, well, is this really wrong? And they, mm -hmm. they essentially walk away from the faith. Right. Um, it's. uh it's embarrassing it in some sense to, to Christians. Like they look, they seem to be fools before Christians, but the world accepts those people with open arms. Right. Oh yeah. It, it, it doesn't look foolish to them. If anything, it looks, it looks wise. Like, yes, yes, you should, you should do this. Mm -hmm. But when we examine it from the light of eternity on the last day, when um, all sin is revealed, you know, and um, you're standing before the judgment seat of God, how foolish will it look in that day that, you started along the correct path you started you were it looked like you were going there and then because you didn't you held back something you you desired your your sin right you walk you ended up walking away in mm -hmm. that light it looks incredibly foolish and then oh, you yeah. have all eternity to reflect on that incredibly foolish uh foolish decision there so um it might not be manifest in this life just how foolish it is, or at least people might not recognize it, but in the light of eternity, yes, um, not not be not being willing to give it all um, will have seemed to be seen to have been uh, incredibly foolish. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, I wanted to read uh, two, well, I guess it's three verses, but two groupings of verses. Um, first uh, Peter chapter four, verses one and two. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. And it's it's interesting language here, right? Um, he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, right? So if you're suffering in the flesh, you've ceased from sin. Um, why, well, why is that? 
because if you're willing to suffer, you're no longer indulging your own selfish desires, right? Because who wants to suffer? The natural man doesn't want to suffer. Um, and even as a Christian, I don't necessarily want to suffer, right? right. But I'm yep. acknowledging that there's something worthy of my suffering, that it's not about me. There's something greater than me mm -hmm. that is, is, is worthy of this, right? So just having that mentality, you're already stopping the means by which sin comes about, right? Self-indulgence. Why do I... Why do I sin? Well, because I, I, I have some wicked desire, right? But if I'm already putting away my my desire um, and living for God, then yes, I've, I've ceased from sin. Now, um, I don't want to take this in an absolute sense, saying like, oh, I, I, because I'm suffering, I will never, never sin again. That's what Peter means here. No, uh, we have mm -hmm. plenty of examples in, in the New Testament that Christians do continue to sin yep. uh, despite being Christians. Mm -hmm. But I think it, what's get uh, what's being gotten at here is more or the mentality, right? You're if you're willing to suffer, you're not willing to give in to sin. Um, so there's that there's that connection there. And we as Christians, we are, if we are Christians, we don't want to sin, right? We don't want to dishonor God. We don't want to sin against our holy God and sin against our neighbor. So um, if we come in with the right mentality, it's not about me. I'm denying myself. Um, and I'll, I'll live for God and live for my neighbor, mm -hmm. then not sinning will naturally follow from that. Um, and then we will be able to um, do good to our neighbor and um, love God. Um, so it's, it's, it's important that we have that, uh, that mentality going into it, because if you just go into it like, okay, well, I want to stop, stop sinning, but it's sort of for me that I'm doing it. Well, um, uh, if, at some point you decide like, oh, well, if it's for me, I, I, I do want this thing that's sinful, then you're going to give into it because you're mm -hmm. the ultimate standard and not God. Right. Um, and that that can't be. Um, second verse that I uh, wanted to bring up was, um, oh, and I guess this is also two verses. First uh, Corinthians six, verse 19 and 20. What know ye not, uh, excuse me, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify in your God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Um, God has the right just the, for the fact that He uh, He created us for um, to demand our obedience. Um, so we we uh, should live for Him just by nature of Him being Creator. But we as mm -hmm. Christians have an extra reason for wanting to glorify God, right? And it's the fact that He saved us and redeemed us. Um, we owe everything to him by means of, uh, by, because of, uh, our creator, uh, our creature status before him and because of our redeemed status before him, we owe him doubly, um, in that regard, mm -hmm. um, if it's right to speak that way. Um, so all the more we should be willing to set our side, uh, set ourselves uh, aside, right? Like I, I literally owe him everything multiple times over. How can I therefore um, try to live for myself? You know, it's just, it's not right. And we as Christians should recognize it's not right to do that. Right. Um, so yeah. um, just <laughs> as we walk through the Christian life, if we have that mentality, constantly recognizing what we are as creatures and what we owe to God, um, it will help us in this Christian walk to deny ourselves, uh, to recognize the truth of the situation that we're, 
we're, we're nothing and we owe everything to God and walk through that Christian life. And um, hopefully that's, that'll be a benefit to us. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's having the correct mindset. It's like our mm-hmm. confession says, right? Part of the reason that sin is so sinful from the unbelievers perspective is because they're not doing even the good acts that they do outwardly might be good in terms of conforming to the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law is not kept because they're not doing it with the right heart attitude before God. So I think Christians can fall into that too, if we're not careful, um, especially if you fall into some sort of legalistic pattern or legalistic lifestyle. It tends to be more about us and us satisfying some requirement instead of truly glorifying and seeking to glorify God. It just becomes an outward regiment without the right heart attitude. Um, so yeah, part of that is is submitting not only our act, outward actions, but our inward heart inclinations to the word of God. That's Amen. all included in that. Yep. Amen. Yep. Um, so one thing we want to close out with, um, you know, last week uh, we did Mr. Anley Stanley. Um, and we're going to look at a video clip of him again, because he's been kind of a hot button topic this past, I guess this month in particular, um, because of some things, the, the one we looked at last week was from a while ago that he did, but this clip we're going to play was from a conference that was done just recently in 2022, um, where Andy Stanley is talking about homosexuality in the church or gay people in the church. And, I think this is helpful because it, it gives an object lesson in terms of what not to say in relation to self-denial about the Christian life. And um, it implies that there are certain sinful lifestyles that are permitted within the church, uh, that you can accept people into the church that live a certain way without the self-denial required by the scriptures. And so we think that this is a is a helpful um, helpful video that will kind of be an object lesson for us. Now, I want to be clear um, with regards to the video itself in the content. It's hard to tell if Andy is actually affirming, uh, you know, a, a homosexual lifestyle. It, I think it's more the language that he's using is not clear and is the implications of it are, are really bad because words have meaning. And even if you don't mean what you say, if it, you know, you say certain words, it's going to have certain implications without clarification. And as far as I know, he hasn't come out and said, look, this is what I really meant. I didn't mean it this way. You guys are misrepresenting me. Um, It appears that he's going down this trajectory that's not good. And the language that he uses is not helpful in here. Um, So I just want to preamble that with this. Um, But again, this is going to be an object lesson for us today as we talk about self-denial in the Christian life. Um, So let me get it up here. All right, here we go. Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay men and women, okay, a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. Can you hit pause? Yeah. So uh, a gay person that wants to, and 
there might be other things aside for um aside for denying yourself that i, I want to call right why there's... are we letting uh why are we letting gay people serve in the church hmm okay well <laughs> like, considering it, that it, <laughs> i think contextually later on he he does sort of imply that what he's talking about is someone who's who's denied that they're going to engage in homosexual activity but it is a little unclear what what he if that's always what he's talking about but yeah what i find um problematic here is uh like oh after how the church has treated the gay community well right any any homosexual that's repentant that's a that's a christian and i don't even like that term because um uh first corinthians right such were some of you but you were washed and you were cleansed you know so i, yep. don't, I don't even like to talk about it like that but um uh, someone who's now a Christian that was that way, right, um, and may even still have lingering, lingering um, sinful tendencies. You know, I'm not, I'm not requiring perfection out of anybody here. Right. Um, what, 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 what? One of them is going to look at the gay community at large, right, which is involved in evil. It's what the Bible calls evil. Involved, right. involved in debauchery and it's like oh you guys treated them poorly therefore i don't want anything to do with you um we might recognize that there are there are professed christians and even true christians that have done that mm -hmm. um but in terms of the church right the true church um it they're presenting a message of repentance and faith right right what, what person is going to um look at that and be like, ah, no, sorry, you're treating them poorly. Right. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even accept the premise that right. are, it's like a, a Christian who's denied himself will recognize, no, they're preaching exactly what the gay community needs to hear. Right. And I like, I want them to be called out just like I was called out. So yes. it's, it's extremely weird to me that you would be saying, yeah, what, 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 um, gay person, would want to be in the church after the church has treated treated them the gay community that way if they're if they are truly treating them unbiblically unchristlike then that's not a church that you want to be part of right um mm -hmm. because they're they're not preaching a, a message of salvation to them right they're, they're, they're just bashing them um but uh, like a steven that, anderson kind of yeah yeah like, exactly yeah, no. exactly homosexuals are going to hell they're not they're not going to be, they can't be saved, you know, they it's can't just pre you know, that yeah, kind of thing. exactly. Something like that. Like, okay, fine. Well, that's a church you shouldn't be a part of, but there are plenty mm -hmm. of churches that aren't, uh, they don't compromise on the sinfulness of homosexuality and, and still preach the gospel to them. And why would anybody, um, who was a homosexual now complain about that or feel uncomfortable being in such a church, you know? Um, yeah, they so, shouldn't because they've been yeah. saved by that gospel and they should yeah. be willing. Yeah, you're right. They, we yeah. should be willing to go to my gay uh, brothers and sisters, quote unquote, um, and take the gospel to them because I want them to be saved and glorify God like I am. Um, yeah, he's almost like creating this false dichotomy, it seems, between yeah. this. You know, I it, it's either the church is uh, gay people don't want to be in the church because the church is speaking out against them or they have to be in the church while still being gay. That, that's and the implication anyways. To tie it back to the theme, 
if you're a quote unquote gay Christian and you still identified with the gay community to the point where, oh, the church has bashed them. I don't want any part of you. Have you really denied yourself? Right. Right. If you're still identifying with a group that is defined by a certain sin, like that's not having denied yourself. You know? Right. And you need to repent and rethink this. Mm hmm. More faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm going to try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're going to be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not That's completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in? Any um, so are we saying that homosexuality is a u completely unique thing that requires a, a self-denial that is distinct from any other, other sin, right? Because no. that's, that's essentially what he's saying. Like, there's, there's a lot of um, social stigmas, right, that... Um, might have the same thing what if you're an ex-prostitute right like well what if they what if they reject me well either it's it's maybe not a, a church that you should be attending or maybe yeah there are some people that are in the congregation that um aren't acting as christ would have them to act that's true but you deny yourself um in order to um you know obey god and right. attend a local church and worship mm -hmm. him um so uh, I don't know. It's 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 just it's it's, a, it's not right. No. Yeah, you're right. He's treating it like it's some sort of unique thing. The whole yeah. in-laws example proves that. What's the one thing, right? It's like this yeah. homosexuality is somehow singled out. Um, yeah. yeah, we would say this about any sin. We're not just pit, yeah. it's we're not picking on homosexuals just because they're homosexuals. Um sure it it is a sin that um, I think carries greater judgment and is a symbol of being given over to wickedness, Romans 1. But um, also needs to be repented of. We're not necessarily pointing this out specifically as you need to repent of just homosexuality and deny yourself here, but we're not going to pay attention to the other stuff over here. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. You ahead. could also, uh, oh, Desiree says, lol, you should make a t shirt of Sean saying hit pause. Yeah, I do, I do tend <laughs> to say that. Um, we could, we could say the same thing about drunkenness, right? You have somebody yeah. who in the community was a drunkard, might've even abused his wife or children, and mm -hmm. then later becomes a Christian, right? He might have that stigma, but he's still required to deny himself and go to, go to church. Um, even if there might be people in there, um, that don't treat him as he should be treated, you know, yeah. as blood bought in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not a unique thing to homosexuality. Um, so uh, I guess maybe those are more acceptable sins in, in Andy Stanley's mind. And that's why, oh, people are only talking about homosexuality. Right. I don't I don't think that's that's true necessarily. Right. Yeah. We got to be careful with uh, we can we can point out sin, some sins as being more heinous than others, but we shouldn't treat them as if they're unique to other sins overall.
any moment you may feel ostracized, no place. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. So this is where it gets confusing because he'll, he uses that term gay men and women who come to faith in Christ, but then he'll turn right around and, and seemingly identify uh, that you can say that you can you know, still be a gay person in identity and be in the church. And that's where it gets really confusing. Yes, I know 1 Corinthians 6, and I know Leviticus, and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that. And we're just not going to talk about it. We're just going to blow those off, right? Stuff, But just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father, who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. Hit God pause. Says, yeah, so this, this is where it gets messy. <laughs> this is what I probably had the most problem with. Yeah. The gay person that didn't answer the cry of their heart. What is Did that you get story? what he meant by that? Well, I, I what I, I took it to mean was it was somebody who um uh who had homosexual attraction, right, and didn't give in to it. Um, so they they wanted to be with someone of the same sex and just didn't give in to it, which is good. Um, I'm not saying that that's, that's bad. That's not my criticism. But the way it was described is didn't answer the cry of their heart as if that was something, like, noble, right? Um, if, we're, if we're Christians and we're looking back, back at our, our past sinful selves... And looking at what the things we used to love, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I did love that, but that's wicked. Like, I would never describe something I had desired as an unbeliever that was evil as, like, I didn't answer the cry of my heart, you know? Like, hmm. at least not in the way that he seems to be saying it here. Um, if we're Christians, we deny that what we thought, we deny ourselves. If we deny right. that what we thought was good is good. We conform it to what God has said is good, right? So right. it doesn't matter if I felt that this was good, or even if I currently feel this was good, if I know that God has said it is wrong, it does not matter what I feel. I submit to what God says. Yes. I deny whatever it is in me that's causing me to, to lust after this evil thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I, like, and that, that's another thing, right? The cry of the heart, the heart implies love. And um, right. I would not say that that's, that's love whatsoever. It's uh, no, it's some sort of form of lust there, you know. Mm -hmm. so, no, I, I, I listened to that. I was like, I, that's, that is no. <laughs> yep. Uh, Cliff J said, I watched an interview with an ex gay porn star once. He has come to Christ and his wife. Now, he said that Christians focus on homosexuality, but not adultery, whether straight or not. I mean, some potentially do. Um, sometimes it feels like that's an excuse because we do say adultery is sinful. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have no issue whatsoever saying adultery is sinful and that um, if you're, if you're engaged in it, then like it, you need to repent. Um, so yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That might be true, especially with cultural Christianity because cultural Christianity um, doesn't always focus on the right thing. Right. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, um, that the church, the true church does that. Mm. No. And they still love God. And see, this is where another thing too. So he, he's saying that 
there are gay Christians who want to worship God. They didn't answer the cry of their heart when they were young, but and they also love God. Well, what have we already defined what loving God is? And I guess I should have uh, quoted this through John 14. Jesus says what loving him means, right? It's to keep his commandments. First John 5, we, we know uh, this is love for God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So obedience is what loving God means. It's not any kind of outward worship necessarily. It's someone who's embraced the gospel and is obeying God from a changed heart. That's what love for God is. It's obeying the commandments of God as a Christian. Um, it's not someone who identifies with a certain community that is clearly against scripture in, in a in a biblical lifestyle that God has ordained we should live or declared we should live in his prescriptive will. Um, it's, you know, we, we have to deny ourselves in, in this regard and, and submit ourselves in obedience to Christ. That's what loving God means. Um, it And again, there's... It, and it seems that Stanley is focusing on love as, you know, whatever is in your heart. It's the cry of the heart, allegedly, whatever that means. Um, and that is defined as what love is. Um, mm -hmm. But we can't but be defined that way. We have to let scripture define what that means. And love for God is obedience to him, which would imply self-denial. It means mm -hmm. taking up your cross. It means um, not putting other things before God, not committing idol uh, idolatry. That's what love for God is. And he doesn't make a proper distinction between someone who is struggling maybe with homosexual desires, who is a Christian believing the gospel, fighting these things, repenting, putting them to death, struggling with them, heading in the right direction, and someone who is just gay, who identifies with this lifestyle, but hasn't really put those things to death or turned away from that identity and identify themselves with Christ. He doesn't make that mm -hmm. distinction. And that's the problem of, and I think that's what's creating the confusion here. Yeah. You can't, you can't do both. You can't no. say I identify with Christ and I identify as homosexual, as homosexual meaning that like, uh, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. Right. Right. Um, they're, they're opposed to each other. If Christ says you are this, you were created to be, heterosexual right now as a result of the fall um we have sinful inclinations but like mm -hmm. uh you were created to be x and to do x um and um it is wrong to do not that um if you're going to say well i follow christ then you have to um at least acknowledge that what he says is true um not that we will will live perfectly or always live in uh complete harmony with our confession that christ is lord but mm -hmm um that will it's it's a mentality thing right at least recognize yep. it and recognizing it surely will have implications for how i live my life if i flat mm -hmm. out if i say i accept christ but i reject this well then you don't accept christ right um especially if you if you've been clearly shown that this is this is what yep. uh, the scriptures teach I'll, I'll go on a little bit of a, a rabbit trail here hopefully it's, it's not too long because um, I think this is a good time to bring up. Oftentimes you'll see both in the culture and sometimes in Christian circles, right? Like you need to be your authentic self. You need to, yeah. you need to um, yeah. be the true you. We're helping you to discover the, the true you. Well, according to Christianity, the authentic self is not good, right? Um, so like, it's, it's absurd to me. You need to, you need to live your authentic self and be true to you. Be honest. Why? Why? Be honest. Like is 
that implies that uh, what I am is good, right? Right. Like, it's it's not necessarily true, even from just like a that anthropology, a, a secular perspective. It shouldn't necessarily um, be true, but um, from a Christian perspective, no. I don't mm -hmm. want to live authentically to what I am if what I am is a fallen creature because that's bad. I'm right. not the standard. God is the standard. Yeah. So whenever I run into con uh, conflict with what God says, I should deny myself and live for him. Yes. Amen. Amen. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? We got to figure this out. And you know what? All right, let's see what it says on the board. The faith of the next generation is worth leading our churches to acknowledge there are gay people, not just straight people with a sin problem. I mean, that's true. I mean, we would agree with that, but yeah, you're, cre you're creating a distinction, I think, where there doesn't need to be one. <laughs> just, uh, yes, there are gay people with a sin problem, but you're clearly not seeing that identifying as a gay person and loving Jesus are mutually exclusive to one another. And, and that's the problem here. We want gay people to come into our church, but they must repent of their gay lifestyle in order to be admitted into the church. You know, we can't have people in our church who are, um, you know, leaven. I mean, that was, that was the very argument that Paul made in first Corinthians uh, chapter uh, five, right? The, the man who had his father's wife, you know, put that person up from among you if they don't repent. You know, we, we can't have people who are identifying themselves with sinful lifestyles, embracing these things as normal um, and not fighting them, not seeking to turn from them um, in our in our ranks. That's just the that's the nature of the church. That's what church discipline is for. Anyone who claims the name of Christ and wants to do that is going to have to be put out after, you know, the biblical process for church discipline is followed. Um, but Andy Stanley doesn't seem to have that mindset involved. I mean, you got to imagine what kind of counseling sessions does this guy give to people who are living in, in sin? Is it just more of an acceptance mindset? Is it a, uh, is it a discussion about the real need to repent? I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any room for church discipline, uh, in this, in this view. So it, we have to be really, really careful. We can give the wrong impression if we're not careful. We don't want to do it. We want to be very clear about what we believe about sin, especially. What is the gospel? What is sin? And what does that mean for you who wants to join our church? Um, you know, there has to be a lifestyle of obedience after embracing the gospel if we're to if you're going to be part of the church. We don't just let people walk into the church and just start doing stuff just because they want to be part of this community. There are requirements to be part of this community, and there are high standards set for believers from the scriptures. He um, he uses the term clobber passage. Yeah, clobber passages. I I don't I, I don't know that I've ever heard a Christian use that passages that sort of phraseology. I mean, I've heard Christians use it when describing how gay people talk about it, but I don't I don't normally hear that just used as like this is I'm describing this. Yeah, I think he's talking about those passages he mentioned, First Corinthians, Leviticus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what the, the clobber passages are. It's just I don't yeah. normally hear Christians describe them that way no. unless they're talking about how they've been described by other people. He, he's um, he's spinning them in a negative way. That's all. That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. 
And I, I wouldn't use the term myself, but if you're a Christian, you want to be clobbered by the Bible in the sense that you want it to pierce in and, you know, reveal sin and cause mm -hmm. conviction, right? So, yep. well, like clobber has more of a, a negative connotation than I would want. There is a sense in which, um, like, if I'm truly a Christian and I don't realize something is sinful that isn't, I want the Bible to, to beat me over the head with it so that I see it. Yeah. Um, so even then, uh, it's, a, it's a denial of self, right? Like, oh, I don't want to be exposed to the truth of the Bible. No. Yep. I will be exposed to the truth of the Bible, no matter how much it hurts or how painful it is in the moment that I and do it. That's part of denying yourself, right? Exactly. You're submitting even even the and we don't like it. Even as Christians, nobody likes yeah. to be told they're wrong. We're not walking around going, hey, please come, you know, just bring it on, guys. Bring it. We're not doing that. So it, it's it's something that we naturally are against. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. It's because it's convicting. It means we have to put aside our pride. And so um, you could see them as clobber passages, I guess, but we as Christians should be humble and willing to be conformed to what those passages say, even though they're difficult passages. They may be difficult passages that we don't like to hear. Uh, but again, that's part of that's part of submitting ourselves and giving ourselves completely to Christ is even, uh, you know, those inclinations to repulse against difficult scriptures. We have to put the, those feelings aside and be willing to submit to them. Um, so yeah. All right. Yep. So we, we went through Andy Stanley again. That will probably be the last of Andy Stanley for a little bit from mm -hmm. us. Um, but you never know. He, he comes up with weird stuff seemingly all the time. So he might come back on here again. But um, I hope this little brief, this is definitely brief compared to some of the other uh, episodes that we do. But we hope that this has been helpful and encouraging. Um, you know, that this is, you saw this in the Lordship salvation debate, you know, the, these kind of passages of self-denial and repentance coming to the scene. Um, and they tend to be neglected, I think, in the church. Obviously, we're Andy Stanley represents broader, I would say, broader evangelicalism. And we're seeing just this decline of, this proper understanding of just the meat and potatoes of the Christian life of what it means to live in light of scripture and to be a Christian is, is quickly fading. Um, so hopefully this is a good reminder. Um, and it's a good reminder for us. We have to constantly be putting ourselves in light of these scriptures and, and being sanctified. This is a lifelong process and our Lord is gracious and patient with us, but these passages can be used for discipline and to remind us of where uh, we are as Christians and that we're out of line more than we are in line with God's commands. Um, so I hope this has been helpful and encouraging in, in your walk and um, and that it can these things can settle in our minds. Um, but with that, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Lord willing, uh, we will be back soon. Next week, we're going to be putting up um, Sean's lesson. We were going to do another discussion, but it will be better for us if we uh, do Sean's uh, Sunday school lesson, which he's going to do tomorrow. I'll record it and I'll put it up for uh, next week. And then Lord willing, we'll come back to our normal uh, schedule after that. Um, but everyone have a great weekend and Lord's Day tomorrow. And we will talk to you soon.